Greetings, good people. Welcome to Who Knows It's Just Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Thank you for fitting me into your day today. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tony. Now, Tony and I go way, way back. I first met Tony when he was in middle school, actually. (laughs) My buddy Kenny and I had a nonprofit, and we taught Saturday school at Kip Will Academy. And Tony and a few others that we're still in touch with still... um, we're, we're seventh graders, I think, and I think we taught him again in the eighth grade year or whatever. And um, honestly, we, we've been friends ever since. Um, we were teaching some music stuff, music production. But since then, I mean, we, we've been on how many hikes and bike rides and just, you know, we've just been been tight ever since. Matter of fact, we did the Spartan races a couple times last yep, year. Yep. So, you know, it's really just been a, a beautiful friendship, um, you know, and just a, a dope, dope relationship that started, you know, way back when. But anyway, welcome to the show. And if there's anything else you'd like to add to who you are, what you do, how you identify, feel free to feel free to do that. Absolutely, I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, just me, Tony, uh, <laughs> African American male, chilling, enjoying life. You know, DC native. Can, you know, DC native all day. Yeah, that's what's up. So. One thing I always say on the show, the show is called Who Knows It's Just Life, and I know you've heard a few episodes, but just to reiterate, for anybody who hear, hearing this show for the first time, the show is based on the premise that I don't know, I'm still learning, and the show is just a public expression of that learning. Um, you know, we can say things that we might disagree with five years from now, ten minutes from now, it doesn't matter. Um, I've, I've, I've said things on the show, and then like I later in the episode, like, I was like, oh, wait. I don't think I agree with that anymore. So it's completely fine. If, 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 if I say anything that, that you feel like you need to check me on, it's a safe space to do that. Um, and uh, so I just appreciate, you know, we, we can just have that back and forth. And we, we do this all the time when we talk anyway. So that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's no problem. Just Absolutely. Go, we just have mics in our face now. Um, but so, so that's the thing. So I welcome you to the space. And just in terms of, in terms of that, the other thing I like to do with, with guests is just to say, how are you doing? Um, we're in December now, so how are you doing today, this week? How is this year going? What, however you want to answer that question, the floor is yours. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, you know, it's getting close to Christmas, so, you know, everything, the holidays is, is becoming a big thing. Um, just communicating with my, my family, with my friends, just making sure that, you know, I get all get all the gifts taken care of for the little ones and just, you know, making sure that, you know, Christmas is going to be good moving on to to the New Year's. Um, I think everything is moving in, in, a, in a good pace. I think so far for me, um, I moved to a new company. Um, so I've been working there for the past three months. I've been having a blast there. Um, and I'm also just transitioning, building more on certifications to, to, to build up on my um, UXUI design and on my um, uh, project management work. So I think things are moving in a good progressive uh, position. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's what's up. Moving on to the end of the year, like, you know, I just turned 26, so things are moving. I'm moving out of the, the I guess, the quarter-life crisis um (laughs) so things are moving good um uh just recently this week have been a very it's it's been a very monumental time for me and i say that because like uh this wednesday was my elder's 80th birthday and um I, i i made an effort to go and see him um uh he works at this place called life pieces the masterpieces where um he supports um like almost 
I believe it's about 100 to 150 black uh, black young boys so that they can be, you know, able to emotionally interject their feelings and to be able to progress into um, modern day society. Um, I think, you know, certain things that he has done for all of us and I speak for myself and I speak for, you know, my 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 friends and family that came from um, life pieces is is very like you know emotionally important for 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 us as a black community so um that wednesday i stopped by um i wasn't in the best mood to be honest because i was coming from um a sense of feeling i guess a bit anxious or a bit um frustrated in and i guess in my term because i'm like just moving to a new company um, and it's my first time actually being in a company where it's just I'm the only black person. Mm. So it just made me think of it being, you know, yeah, it's it's good. I'm, I don't want to give a condescending thought. Like I'm I, I'm having fun at that company, um, but certain things just makes me feel like you know I need a little bit more black spaces. You mm. know, talk mm. to like you know be being communal with 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 other african-american men and women um and and that was an opportunity to do that for the week so i went to go and see him um and it was just it was just peace like and i guess what made it monumental was the fact that when i went to see him it was amazing that not only he had his impact day you know with friends and family but he also had it with a lot of his students that came by to show his show respect to him you know, and, you know, I think hopefully at it, 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 when I get around this age that I'm going to be sitting around a whole rack of people to mm. love me, you know, that I that I taught. So it was a very big Afrocentric moment mm. for me to just turn around and be like, hey, you know, even though I'm trying to, you know, uh, be more affiliated with American society, that I also have a bit of Africanness in me to continue moving forward so it was great that's interesting i know that's interesting <laughs> there's so much there that you just said because I, you know i've been in the workforce for a bit a bit longer than you and 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 i most of my experiences are where i'm the only black person or one of few black people in my organization and it's definitely a struggle it's definitely a struggle and and i i think it's beautiful that you have had the opportunity to kind of where, where some where some some you know african diasporic like love and energy was like injected into your week um despite this 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 career change and at the end of the day i mean we have to survive and th- learn to thrive in this system as it is and it's not necessarily designed for us. Oh, I'm, I'm sugarcoating it. It's not designed for us. It's designed to harm us, in my opinion. Um, and so, I guess maybe that's a, maybe that's a good question that, to just ask you directly. Like, with with an elder like that, and with some coming of age experiences that that sounded to be very Afrocentric, how has it been coming into the workforce and confronting the Eurocentric? individualistic capitalistic you know just the day-to-day reality of life in this country as an adult with some of those afrocentric um coming of age experiences as a background you know that's an interesting question i think that um it's a lot different because my upbringing um 
And I believe that like getting around the age of 16, I have been around black people pretty much most of my life. And I say that as to like my elementary school, middle school, high school, a little bit of college, but like majority of my education and even with my elders as well have been very Afrocentric. Um, and what I mean by Afrocentric is just communal based, like communicating with people um, constantly, like, you know, having fun. And I mean by just being able to connect with people that also engage in the same sense of traumas mm. um, that are relative to like being a part of the black culture and being a part of, you know, black neighborhoods. And I think um, it was till now, like becoming an adult, like around, I think when I became 22, 23, I started engaging with with more like diversity with people. Um, which was really interesting because it took me till I actually went to college to start really engaging with white people. Mm. Um, and wow. I think it was a bit of a blessing. I feel that having that upbringing with a lot of black folk kind of made me, it made me feel a little bit different as to how do I approach um, white people or how do I approach other ethnicities. And as I started going up and started, you know, working and had my like first career like my first career started off uh working at a utility company and they pretty much was mostly like latino so it was it was uh i would say i would say 85% latino and then you know everyone else was like either it was either slightly black a bit white or uh pakistan or mm. from different parts of the different parts of the, uh, of the globe so it was interesting but then now i've transitioned to another job and that job it's where it's like 90 to 95 percent white mm. um five percent vietnamese and like one percent black being me <laughs> you know so it, it it's very different because it's like you know just cultural things so to me is a bit different it's really it's really different to see you know um certain things that you say certain things that you do you know is it could be common to one group but then when you say those same things as someone else then it's like should I say? Should I not say? And you mean in terms I, of when somebody says something that kind of like problematic or kind of like code switching? Ah, code switching. So yeah. code switching, as in like you know, um, I may say a certain thing that like like I haven't seen you in a brick, and mm. I could communicate that like that 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 connotation like you know exactly what I'm saying. But then when I communicate with someone else that may not know of that culture, they're like, uh, I don't know what you mean. Right. <laughs> you know. So right. I guess that that in turn made me feel a bit isolated um and in even american culture in itself the 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 fact that like a lot of its terminologies is to be of isolation like i've always hear like it's lonely at the top it's lonely at the top mm. it really made me want to become as self-made as possible and that i think that in turn started building a bit of anxiety in me mm. um 
And I, I only speak of that. And I think that also stemmed as to why I felt so frustrated before I even went to go see my elder on his on his impact day it was mainly because, you know, I've been chasing a dream of becoming successful. But in the process of that success in American standards, you have to be in silo. And I wondered mm. about that and how I communicated with, you know, um, how I how I mingled with society like as of now um, had been of as an individual rather than as a collective as I should have been, you know. And that so. idea of the collective is that something that was taught in uh, life pieces, the masterpieces, or yes, or and, and in other places. So so yeah, can you talk more about so, that? Like how, how did it's first of all, I just want to acknowledge and appreciate you saying that. The, the lonely at the top, the individual success, it brought on anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that needs to be that. That's a very it's a very it's a very tapped in thing to identify within yourself. And I, 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 I one of my earlier episodes a year or two ago, I was I was trying to make the argument that if we listen to our bodies, like we'll see signs that the system there's things about the system, things that it, that it asks us to do that aren't healthy for us. Mm-hmm. And I think. You you just you just gave us an example organically just now, so I think that's that's a beautiful thing. But I but I want to jump back to, you know, life pieces in like or anywhere else where that sense of community may have been part of success. Like, so oh, I guess so. Yeah, how how was success spoken about in life pieces or in other, any other organizations okay. you were a part of as a kid? Yeah, so I I would I think. I, I did like the first question you brought about collective. So I'm, I'm gonna start with that, and then it will, in turn, uh, uh, revolve around success. So like, collective, how life pieces express collective to me. Um, in in a way, it was more so of accountability. It was more so in a way of, you know, communication and trust of what you are responsible for you will commit to and you have integrity in what you're doing mm. and it goes even i believe it, it it in a way life pieces in, instilled it rather than initiate i think in as a as a child since 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 i was a kid like my parents um or you know my mom at the time had a sense of a sense of urgency for me and my sister and my little brother to be able to you know um be each other's keeper Mm -hmm. um and that's where it started off it started off as a collective where you know you look out for each other because we're family um but then growing up in a lower economic you know household and neighborhood um there were positive things that came from it which was you know being able to just run outside have fun you know um if i if i wanted to play baseball in the alley i played baseball in the alley if i wanted to play heelys uh roll with the you know the little heelys that they used to have yeah. to go on the sidewalks and whatnot it'd be it'd be great but the negative piece was you know you you had to take care you had to take care of your family and as a negative of being in a lower economic like um area you always had to like watch over your shoulder because 
you know, you never know if someone will want to come and rob you or someone will want to bring harm to either you or your or your sibling. Um, so that kind of played a part in collective and how I chose people to be a part of my collective. And then going into life pieces, it transferred into more of an instillment where collective was not just your imminent family, but instead it was also comrades, friends that doesn't necessarily be a blood, but and it may not also be of race. It, it would just be of of, uh, of a simple body, of a collective as a body of mind or mindset. Um, and that stuck with me for a bit of time. Uh, but then as I grew older, I started to move slightly away from the collective as far as like a pool of thought towards a common goal and instead focus towards how fast can I make money? Mm. And success started to grow as a sort of like collective. So I'm, I'm thinking of it as like a cone, you know, you know, like a cone shape has just like or like a funnel mm-hmm. where collective has this wide rounded uh, 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 base. But then as you narrow into the top is like fueled with success and for me collective and success played hand in hand but the more I pushed to success the more I started to not push for collective Mm. the more I started to push the more the more I started to push to success the more I started to to push towards just being an individual because the people that you know and I love my friends to death. The the but like certain friends that I you know was with, I it it pushing for success pushed me to not want to be connected with them, and I felt like a bit isolated in that in that regard. And um, is that because they weren't on the same path, or they they weren't making the same choices, or they weren't making the same choices? They weren't on the same path, and you know, um, and and that encouraged me to not want to you know keep a consistent communication with them but i think in turn that kind of made me like less less interested to 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 stick with the collective and focus on like how soon can i get to the money Mm, wow one thing that i want to jump back to is you said when you were learning about the collective it was the the collective was the reason for integrity, for discipline, hard work, accountability, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really insightful because I think in the capitalistic mentality, we're taught that the market, money, those things are the things that enforce accountability, mm-hmm. hard work, those things. But that's not that's not necessarily like money and markets and trade isn't necessarily the origin of those things the origin of those things is the collective because mm-hmm. like you said it started in your home with the family like you, right. you had a collective it wasn't about money it was just about survival unfortunately because you you were in a neighborhood that where your personal safety was a little bit more was it more at risk than others um in other neighborhoods so it was about survival mm-hmm. but it, was, it could also be about fun you could go out and play some ball or whatever right so but so there was a collective piece 
And I think it's really interesting to keep in mind that those principles of like of work, accountability, um, all those things you listed, I'm not going to remember them all, but like those are core to us as people, both in family and in community, in, in our village, in tribe or whatever. And I guess the thing that I feel like we might be missing as a society is how do we get those, how do we, how do we root those character traits and those, those um, values? How do we keep them rooted in community and also have that translate into success? And, 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 and I'm allowing for us to define success as communal success, not just because obviously we, you're talking about how success feels like it has to be individual. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of it feels like it's pulling you away from what you've learned. And so I guess as I'm looking towards what we, sh- what we want to be building is like, let's, let's rename success in a way that's consistent with those, those character traits rooted in community and have that success still be something achievable that we can all get, get, th- get to through those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, like what you're saying kind of reminds me of that African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far go together you mm. know like that stuff makes a big difference because if you i mean you can easily go as fast as by yourself but you know how far can you really get without a collective without a like-minded collective that's, like that's different that's true that's you know because you can true. you can be with a whole rack of people on the way to success and that same group of people can tear you down just as fast that's you true. know that's so true. it's 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 really an interesting balance and dynamic. Um, and I think how I want to answer that question is really based off of the idea of what is like-minded. And to me, I think of um, a like-minded individual as someone where you have your same goals and plans to strive towards a common um, direction and you have a friend or family member or ally that you know is maybe going through a different type of trauma but or a different type of uh, stasis Mm. but they're pushing towards that similar direction like that is like-minded and and i strive to find like-minded people or you know i strive to find people that are smarter than me so that you know um eventually i would be able to learn from them and they're able to learn from me um, and then to be able to build a great median as towards, as towards getting to a goal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that played a big role in my life as far as just the collective and how the collective felt more Afrocentric to me. And I liked it. And I liked that. Yeah. Um, however, I struggled finding enough like-minded people to keep a positive collective Mm. and in turn moving into corporate america it made me feel alone because of the lack of like-minded people with the same goal yeah so yeah um, i feel you that sucks i feel you (laughs) yeah that's unfortunate yeah but i mean i think you know i'd shit I mean, I know I'm 26, so I think that, like, in the next 10 years, I'm probably going to find some like-minded people. And um, I'm not saying that the people that are around me don't have the same spirit as to finding success. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, it is interesting 
how you build connections with people and it's interesting how you know you can create um vehicles to 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 build and wealth and it's interesting in how you distribute that wealth whether it be knowledge or monetary to 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 other people um and i, I you know it makes me wonder you know um how do you how do you progress uh uh towards success with you know the likelihood of having a collective with you yeah yeah that's true and i think i think it like you said it's not necessarily about it's not necessarily an indictment on those who are in your life now it, it, it part of it's just an activist an activation of mm-hmm. Some of those principles, like you might have people in your life that might be down, but like you haven't maybe maybe haven't had that conversation to like, all right, let's act on this. Let, let's like really like put our energy, let's really extract this piece out of us and like really like apply it, um, and and maybe just maybe just turning on that, turning on that switch, is is part of it to get started at least, you know. Um, are there any other pieces about your upbringing that stand out in terms of just important? for shaping your life um when i think of you being 26 like there were some key moments i mean you were you were young when like obama was elected for example or just like like pivotal moments of like police brutality for example like there's just just so much that happened and i was an adult for a lot of that for all of the things i just mentioned (laughs) (laughs) um so um I guess as as being being that you were in high school for for some of that or middle school high school or or, or in college or whatever but just much younger than me mm-hmm. is there anything that sticks out in terms of your schooling specifically and or what was going on in the world that's, that kind of sticks out to you right now Yeah sure um one thing that stuck out to me um and this is me like now looking back in my life um so I grew up in Northwest DC and it was used to called Bloomingdale I think it was used to call it was used to be called Bloomingdale. I think it's still Bloomingdale now, but it's a lot different. Um I bet. around the year I think between the year of 2000 to 2012, that was like really the the gentrification hump in DC. Um and I remember like as a kid I would <laughs> uh I used to be called Scooter Boy because I always had my Razor Blade scooter. I take scooter. that thing out. <laughs> I would just go ride my scooter everywhere, and everywhere was literally from my house, my 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 house on on Northwest, and riding up to Columbia Heights, um, and then going back to to, to T Street, um, and like all like on Rhode Island. Like I had a blast going up and down that street with my friends. Um, but one thing that stuck out to me was that every time I went down, like as if I was um, riding to Columbia Heights, was I would often see um, I would often see like uh, abandoned bakeries, abandoned um, buildings that are in the way. Um, I didn't often see too many like uh, if if anything, I only saw carryouts. Like I didn't see too many like. Uh, businesses in mm. DC at the time, and I and I and I realized that like during that phase, um, DC was like considered chocolate city, and there was so many. There was so there there was a higher in there was a higher amount of black folk in in DC, 
um, as opposed to what it is now. And I mean, I believe it's way more diversified. Um, a lot more transient people are here now. But I bring that up because in that process, seeing the gentrification of of um, houses just or or neighborhoods just being renovated, and seeing like how slowly as the years came around. I saw my friends start to move out because they couldn't really afford for the rent in the area, mm-hmm. and also moving to to like my 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 family when we had to move. Um, it was a really pivotal point in my life because it made me have a slight sense of aggression to society because mm-hmm. I felt that there were certain things like losing our home because we just couldn't afford it um and and even still like picking up a job that encouraged us to make better roads for (laughs) for for people that were not native to dc it it made me feel a bit frustrated and a bit angered by the fact that I had to move out because of gentrification. Yeah, and to see the to see the added resources that are coming in now that you and your friends are moving out. Right. And it I kind of shows a little bit of the value like where society's put placing its value. Right. And mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, around that time when I was like at least like 7 8 to 8 to 12 that, you know, at that time frame a lot of the businesses were being literally like i mean i would i would consider it as the 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 businesses weren't there weren't any businesses in dc at that time you know and you had black folk just you know doing what they can with what they what with what they had um and then now it's like you know like where where were the resources then you know was that was that a sense of redlining i don't know and and it it really made me furious and so like you know i think that played a big role and how I am now, because I'm like very adamant about just making sure that, you know, wherever I go, I have an idea of the ecosystem there. I have an idea with what I need to do in order to survive there. Going throughout that portion, I moved from Northwest and um, we ended up living in Oxen Hill, Maryland. And then we moved from Oxen Hill, Maryland to southeast dc and then i stayed in southeast northeast for pretty much most of my life i'm still in northeast and i think that shaped my life a lot because being in southeast i lived over in eli place um still same thing you know you walk from the the metro of minnesota ave and you're walking on the way home you know for some reason for some odd reason in high school like mckinley tech had this beef of some sort with friendship collegiate and you know i would go home though where 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 my house where where my apartment was was like at least two or three blocks from from the metro so when i get off the metro i will walk like two three to four blocks to um to to the apartments and every time i will walk there will always be someone that will want to pick because i guess because the uniform or whatever and um it encouraged a bit of hostility in me mm. um, because growing up there, you know, I always had to be mindful of my surroundings. And then even more so, you know, gunshots would be almost every other day. 
So you would really be mindful of your surroundings. You going outside, you know, making sure the the timing when you would go outside. Um, you would never catch me out there like, you know, after two or three unless I had something to actually do. Mm. Um, and then like moving from Eli, we went to Mayfair Mansions and we lived there for about three or four years. And that was an interesting thing to me. And I think that was an important piece in my life because living in Mayfair Mansions kind of represented a lighter piece to Collective. So like Collective, if if Collective was a person, Collective sat in the backseat of my life because in each and every situation, I had a relationship where I loved it and hated. I loved it. I hated. I loved it. I hated. What I mean by that love and hate of collective was I love collective starting off because when I was with life pieces and this was when I was 14, like around 13 or 14, I had a great I had a great time understanding collective in the Afrocentric way. You know, they spoke a lot about um, African history, African mythology. They spoke about African philosophers. They thought of, they, they, they spoke about, um, um, African American history. They spoke about African Americans or American Africans that put in their thoughts into, into existence in our society as scholars. And, and that, and that, that embodied a lot of my existence and I felt proud of it. And moving forward in high school, my sense of collective became parallel because there was a body of knowledge that I knew, but not, you know, some of the friends that I had had an understanding of that. And they were kind of rooted in just trying to make sure that, you know, um, either 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 it was just like trying to meet the status quo at the high school or whatever, you know, it's just high school. But the bottom line is, in high school, I didn't build collective. I started to 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 move further away from collective only because I felt like, you know, the information that I was providing, people weren't really listening to, nor did I really want to express myself any further if you didn't want to, if you didn't understand what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So that kind of put me into a more of an independent stage. But going to Mayfair Mansions and the reason why it became interesting dynamic was because I started meeting people that had a sense of like mind mm. um, and it gravitated to become something where I felt like a collective there. So Mayfair Mansions, just a quick history, Mayfair Mansions is pretty much the hood. And at that time, it was like at least two or three years before it was considered a very like notorious space. Uh, Mayfair Mansions, like J Street, it was a location where, you know, it, it was a one way. And at that point in time, the history of that of that neighborhood was if you drove into J Street, you would drive in with the inclination like you knew exactly what you were doing. Because if you didn't and you were stuck there, then nine times out of ten you would be in a <laughs> you would be in a bad situation, I mm-hmm. guess. Just you know. Um, but for me to be there, I knew that and I felt, you know, within myself, because I've I've always been I, I've always been in I've always been in poverty, so that didn't really bother me too much. But, like, you know, there was this one time where I met this guy. Um, and this guy is an older cat. One day, I was walking through the courtyard on my way to, to school. 
Um, Because at this time, I was, like, gravitating. Like, I was, like, a junior, junior, senior year in high school. And this dude um, was playing chess in the courtyard. And I was like, hey, playing chess, you know. So I stopped by. Um, I stopped by. Old dude, man. I sat down. And, you know, of course I asked. He was like, come on, play chess. And we played chess. He beat me like two or three times. And then he, you know, laughed at me. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I took it because it was like, damn, you know, like, you're you good. Um, but he told me his story. Like, his story was he'd been in jail for about 25 years. He came out. And, you know, majority of the things that he does now is, you know, um, he, you know, he takes his time. Like, when he comes outside, he... You know, gets the cigarettes, he sells the cigarettes, and he does he does chess. And so, like, you know, every time I sit down and I talk to him, I started to build more of a connection, more of an understanding as to, you know, um, in the old, just, just listening to wisdom from an older person mm-hmm. and participating in that, and that started to build more of a collective. The more I started to hang around him, the more I started to hang around other people that were in the courtyard. Because typically, like for me, I'm a very, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. So like for social interactions, it requires energy for me. So like collective is a love-hate relationship because I don't like, I don't necessarily like to be social. Um, but in turn, I do enjoy having collective and being around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it. through that, through that scenario with Mayfair Mansions, um, and then moving um, to a place like by myself, uh, became a sense of it, it became different. And I think it became different because I started because as a, in a as an adult now and you know, working in in uh, corporations where it's not so many black people, it felt a bit shocking because I've been around black people so much, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so the collective piece started to go down because for me, and this is something that I'm still working with, that I still associated collective as to people of your race, like-minded people of your race, instead of like-minded people of other races you you know Mm -hmm. so it's interesting it is interesting yeah so when you talk about these things what's what's coming up for me is that this isn't in school like life pieces that sounds like that was like a separate organization you were affiliated with right Mm -hmm. so as as gentrification and you know uh, housing displacements things like that are like big terms that people are using and as kids like we probably you know we don't know that those are the names of what they are but you're experiencing them i'm curious like in school when you learn about like civil rights and you learn about these other movements how did it feel learning about those things and and were those things connected to what you were experiencing in real time i think for the civil rights movement i am honored by the fact that the civil rights movement made such an impact for African-Americans. I believe that there are some things that had brought to attention of, of, of the court that provided opportunities for us to do um, certain things. Um, But I feel like for the civil rights movement, it should be a nonstop thing. It should be a case where, there is, I mean, there's so much more to be done. Um, but 
at that time frame in high school civil rights movement was more of a a piece of literature to read about Mm. and because it felt like a piece of literature to read about and like certain um scholars of that time had been either assassinated or have gone it made me see that as a piece of history and the conventional piece became more of how can i socially um communicate activism or how can i socially um project views of activism through social media and i think around that time i was starting to get into facebook and I noticed that, you know, as far as civil rights is concerned, it wasn't the it wasn't the front end of my life. It was more so of like, you know, because I know it as it's the history of my people, as it's the history of my, you know, um, of my of my of my community that I needed to know it. But it didn't feel like something where I needed to direct my attention to make things happen. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So basically it didn't, it didn't, it, it wasn't, it felt like something to learn and read about as, as a thing that happened mm-hmm. and not something that's happening where you, there's still movements and activism and, and work to be done continuously. Yeah. And I mean, I can I can I can speak with a benefit of the doubt that like for me, um, I was not an extremely like exposed type of person. Like, you know, I have my own bubbles where, you know, where my focus is to like, you know, uh, focus on school, making sure I get my grades, um, having my own, you know, (laughs) adolescent like you know, uh, type of, of trying to figure out how to, how to get the girls, how, yeah. trying to figure out, you know, you know, the, the, the last thing on my mind was thinking of civil rights at that time, but still my parents didn't really instill that, you know, like I, I never, I'm never like expected to go home and, and my mom would talk about like, Hey, you know, what do you what do you know about Marcus Garvey or what do you know about Malcolm X? Like my my parent my parents weren't really like that. Yeah. Um but still it was important to know that information just to know yeah, rather than sure. it was being, you know, okay, be considered an activist. And for me, yeah. there uh, like growing up, honestly, as far as activism concerned, I didn't even start protesting until I was like maybe in college like in my 18 like when i was 18 or 19 um so i didn't really do too much protesting or do too much activism in high school um i mainly was just you know doing what i can and because i knew what i knew from you know um uh, other experiences you know other educational experiences it gave me a a push to to direct it when it was necessary yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with you know, I mean, not everybody's parents are going going to push that kind of stuff, and that and that's perfectly fine. Everybody's trying to, everybody's trying to survive and make it in their own right, right. right. So everybody's doing the best they can, and so I, and, and obviously when you're a kid, obviously there's there's a huge social dynamic, learning who you who you are as as a, as a as a young man, and then 
you know, dating and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's doing that. So that that's definitely part of that experience. I just think as as somebody who's a bit older, I feel like this is a, a good sanity check for us as 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 adults. And you're an adult now too, so you're old mm-hmm. enough to be a teacher, right? So like <laughs> now it's us who are supposed to be the ones teaching young people and I guess the feedback for me and, and, and my generation and those older than me who, who were responsible with your curriculum and teaching you, there was a failure there because there was an opportunity to connect the civil rights movement of the past with the housing displacement, the gentrification that you were literally living through in real time. And also with like the food deserts and red line and all the, all those other things that, that were undoubtedly part of your, your experience like there was a failure in the ability to connect those two and to you know in the midst of all the other things you're learning about being a, being a young man like making sure that those seeds were 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 planted and potentially watered so that when you got to college you had even that much, even that much more context for for when you finally did get get to protest so um if i may what what were the things that you protested when you when you did start to actually take part in that so the things that I protested, and I have to say this to give a bit of context as well. Like, there was a time where, and I know you recall, like the time in Flint, Michigan, where you know um, the the there was water. there was an issue with the water, mm-hmm. and it became like not drinkable. I mean, you could barely shower with that water, and the pretty much if Flint, Michigan was kind of stranded, and. Um, at the time, I was working as an intern, working at an urban farm uh, for UDC. And so uh, at that time, I went to Flint, Michigan with about maybe four or five people. And we went up there. We're just like, we had like two or three caravans of like water. We went over there just to, you know, because we wanted to. And yeah. we just gave them water and and um gave them as in like the the residents at flint michigan um uh water of what we could provide and communicate with them in that regard yeah but i bring that up because when communicating with them they started to open my bubble as opposed to what i've been taught as well as what i'm seeing Mm. because at that time gentrification didn't register to me right it was just aggression and anger because I had to leave. Right. You just knew how it felt to right. Right. I knew how it I knew how I felt at that point in time, but I wasn't I wasn't fully a hundred percent aware of what was exactly going on mm-hmm. until like college. And I think at that time when, you know, I went outside of my comfort zone, because honestly, like Going to Flint, Michigan, that's like one of the... I don't often leave D.C. So it's like going to another city, which it felt like home when I went there. Mm. You know, it felt like it felt like what it felt. It felt the same as when I grew up in D.C., where there was a bit of abandoned places. Like I went to Flint, Michigan. It was a bit of abandoned homes because people left, you know, um, for for terms and in terms of survival. Um, and when I got back from Flint, Michigan, it then made me become more, you know, focused on protests mm. because it was just, it was disrespectful how, how that occurred. So 
the the first couple the first couple protests that I went to, um, one of them was and I don't know why this like this is the first thing that comes on my mind, but um, one of one of the first protests that I went to was like the Dreamers protest, where this was um, more related to second generation immigrants. Um, and they were doing this protest just to be able to stay in America in the process yeah. um, without them having to be uh, deported. deported. Uh, dream, the Dreamers as a, as a path to citizenship and all that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I protest for that. And then um, I protested for, for some of the movements for Black Lives Matter. Um, and those things invigorated me to want to be a to be a part of another collective mm. of like-minded people to focus on a direction to find change in society but you know every time i've left a protest <laughs> i felt like it was just a sense of feeling rather than a sense of change i guess if that makes sense hmm. and i wondered about that because it was like you know every time i come back i i felt you know I felt happy that I did it. I felt passionate that I did it. But did I see change afterwards? And I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure if I saw change in in every front, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it felt more of a recreation afterwards rather than an actual body of movement for change. Mm. Um yeah, I feel you. I, 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 I've, I've, I protested a bit when I was in college as well, and it was a different time. But, but I, I had that same feeling, and and I think looking back, I think it's okay to feel that way. Um, but it's also true that the protests in the in and of themselves are part of a momentum, part of a movement, and just those boots boots on the ground says something. And it 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 builds momentum for future things to come, um, even if nothing immediately changes as a, as a result of that action. Um, and I think we've seen some of that coming out of Trayvon Martin. You had you had Black Lives Matter yeah. and, and stuff like that, and, and Michael Brown and all those. Like each 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 there's been many landmark situations where things the momentum is just built and built and built and built. And then 2020 was just huge. You know, with 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 um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and the others, like I mean, that was just an unprecedented amount of, mm-hmm. of activity. But it but it took all of the activism leading up to that to get to that point. I think I think it's all related. So even if one particular protest you went to didn't feel like it was doing much, I I still think it it mattered in the in the broader context. But but I but I'm but I'm but I I feel you because I felt the same way when I left protests when I was doing it too. Like yeah. In just in that moment, like you feel the passion, you're there, you're loud, you're doing the thing, and then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, now what? Um, and that's the thing I think, and and what you brought up was a great point that the fact that you know for for protests, the biggest goal is to see is to see the the the, the collective of people that want to make a change, like right. because I believe everyone wants to see change in some regard, but it takes a level of of um it takes a level of push for someone to want to actually be active mm. in these days and i say that because it's like 
you know, with the emergent amount of, you know, accessibility to technology, internet, to, you know, see things on a regular basis. Um, even for myself, like, I think because there was such a larger influx of technology or access to the internet, it made me not only put myself in a bubble, but it, it made me be able to personalize my bubble so that if there was like, you know, let's say, cause I would listen to global news, global news, um, podcasts all the time. And, and, and from time to time, I believe that, um, because I, I saw, I, I heard so much, you know, craziness on the news or I heard so much craziness going on around the globe that it would just make me want to desensitize. Mm. Um, yeah, I've been and, there too. Yeah, and, and just desensitizing from, you know, those things also make you desensitize from your own things. Mm. But it's like, I've always felt like, you know, until it happened directly to me, I wouldn't actually make a move or make yeah. a decision. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting too, because it's just like, you know, I believe protest has a sense of power. Yeah. You know, do. other than it being theatrical or other than it being, and I'm I'm saying these words because it's like, you know, protest isn't focused to be theatrical. It's not focused to be cinematic. It's focused to show a movement, to show a change, and right. I believe in that holistically. Um, but one thing that I noticed that, you know, because there's so much access to technology is that it feels like being desensitized from, um, a lot of the, 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 the negative things that happen in the world just pushes me personally to not want to protest as often. Mm. And if anything, it, it pushes me to you know, want to find other ways to protest, whether it be like a bit disruptive in a higher status form, how I communicate on a corporate scale, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it it is a really interesting thing that that could be uh, dissected a bit more. Yeah, I think that whole trajectory of activism is very common. I think it's it's interesting how especially when we're younger in college, like that activism, that fervor is there for that, that passion. And then it seems to kind of change forms for for some, for many, maybe as we get older or as we maybe we want to see change in, in, in ways that require other tactics. And so we kind of shift our, our perspectives a little bit accordingly. I want to jump back to to life pieces and some of your earlier. So I mean, we we talked about the collective as opposed to individualism and all that. Was there anything about masterpiece uh, life pieces and some any other organizations or anything else you were doing that kind of contributed to the, the activist energy and or just your experience in doing any kind of direct service, direct active, direct action work? Definitely. Um, so what I've explained before, like about the dreamers and. Um, that was a little bit later in my, a little bit later in my adolescence and, um, with life pieces and this, so this starts to dive kind of, <laughs> we're jumping back and forth in my life, but like right. this jumps more so in the 15, 16 phase. Um, in the 15, 16 phase, I was really like, I was really active um and and the reason being was because from from life pieces and more so because of 
the mentors that I had at the time, they pretty much projected a lot of information that I didn't really know um, that, that that my parents didn't really share or, or that I didn't really have too much access to, like African mythology, um, African principles, African proverbs, um, different ways of African dress, um, a lot of exposure to Afrocentric knowledge and a excuse me, and a lot of exposure to how we incorporate African-American men in American society. And in turn, that created me to want to become more of an activist because it embodied the sense of frustration from the gentrification phase and and turned it into something where I can make use of it. And what mm. I mean by that is it considered at that time, I felt that, and I'm being honest here, transparent, that like at that point in time, I considered African-American like 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 black people as superior. And, and I represented like I had a love for the idea of kings and queens in the mm. African community. And I and I loved the idea because it embodied a sense of power, it embodied a sense of triumph, it embodied a sense of respect, it was a sense of nobleness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an interesting thing because the more I dived into African culture and the more I started to feel proud about being an African American, the more also the more I started to feel a bit condescending when it came to the diversity of other ethnicities. One that kind of brought that at a head was um, a, a uh, uh, an ex-girlfriend at a time where she was biracial. She was uh, half white, half black. Um, and she pretty much kind of pulled me in a different direction because at that time, you know, I was just so 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 into my blackness and i did not open exceptions to how i felt about other races mm. um and mind you you know 15 16 i was around 95 to 98 percent black people all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. so my exposure and connecting with people outside of that was little to none unless I like had a a full field trip somewhere <laughs> or Michigan or something. Yeah, you're right. Or or I like literally pushed myself to go out there, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um and so at that time it was very interesting to me because I never heard of this term. They it was it was called being a hotep. Like mm. being a hotep man. And and to me, you know, and like my friend would my, my friends would crack at it. And they were like, oh, you're such a hotep. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, why is that a bad thing? And and this is why I was feeling that way. Because I'm like, hotep? Like, hotep is a philosopher in African. Imhotep. Imhotep, right. Exactly. Like, he was a a multi-genius in in African history. Yes. So I'm like, if you're calling me hotep. At that time, I'm like, if you're calling me hotep, I'm like, thank you thank you like that's a, that's a compliment like i appreciate that but at that time it was a term it was a it was a negative term and it so it is right and 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 so like the more i started to read the more i started to understand that like you know 
I at that time didn't feel like I was an extreme like <laughs> I was extreme like black nationalist I guess if that if yeah, that's, that's a word it, yeah. you know and 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 um I had fixed views as to how I expected people to live and even more so my ex she also you know shared that she has some family members who were um lesbian and mind you my 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 upbringing was like literally around um heterosexual men and women um homosexuality of any kind was always considered as like um a sense of of denial mm. um my my family is is christian based um so majority of the time when you bring homosexuality in any way in the in the conversation it's always like oh my god like disgusting or it's considered as if like and i can and i can hear my uncles now around the table if 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 i if if they hear something about you know their children or maybe their niece or nephew thinking about homosexuality then there will be physical violence to make sure that that is being beat out of them you know and so Wow. Coming from that upbringing and going into that relationship with her, it was an interesting one because me now starting to get a better understanding as to communicating with, you know, her family members that were lesbian, I didn't know how to communicate with them. I didn't know how to communicate with them. I, you know, I would treat them as a guy, but kind of... I would treat them as a guy, but then they would be a little bit like standoffish about it. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I would try to like, you know, I would still be, a, I, I would still be chivalrous sometimes and would open the door and they would look at me crazy. Like, why are you opening the door for me? You know, or try to get their back. And then I would just be confused. And I say that, I say that, you know, um, just, 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 just forgiving myself and yeah, my use. Sure. Um, but I know that a lot of my diversity started to change. Um, I was blessed to be able to like build such foundations of Afrocentric truth and Afrocentric um, love for self. But then over time, I started to dive more into D.C., the city of the melting pot. Mm. And it really made me more exposed to different nationalities, made me exposed to different sexual orientations, made me exposed to different races. Mm-hmm. It 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 was it was it was completely it was completely confusing. But yeah. over time after just learning more and and my ex she first had issues with Hotep men and I I guess became that. <laughs> I'm not embodying it. I'm not. But I know that there was a sense of misogyny that I inherently inherently picked up. Um, there was a sense of nationality that I needed to refine a little bit better for myself. Mm. Um, and it also made me really rethink how I communicate and with the LGBTQ community. Yep. Um, and I bring that up because, like, there was a question that was asked, and I remember that. Um, she, and I think this was a conversation between me and 
me and my ex related to a um, related to her family member because I didn't know how to communicate with her. And so she said, um, do you think and I'm not going to use her name. I'm just say Kayla, like her, like her, her, her cousin. I'll yeah. just say Kayla. Um, so she she asked me, um, do you think Kayla can be a king? And in my mind, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like absolutely not. Mm. And she was like, why? Um, and and whatever decision that I had, I was, I think, I just, I just said something like, um, I don't think she could be a king because there is phenotype principles that represents being a king. That there is like, you know, you you are you you supposed to, you know like being a king has a representation of being like the protector being the provider like having those connotations that are more masculine than right. it is feminine and we right. had a long conversation I after bet that, that was a conversation. you know yeah because <laughs> i mean you know you know to be honest like that that she grilled your ass for that right she did she did <laughs> and i respect it and and that grilling at that time at that time, you know, of course, if you're if you're if you're in a heated arg- argument like myself, I don't <laughs> like to lose, so I wasn't going to accept it. Um, but it was a really good point because it was then starting to become the turning point of how I viewed the LGBTQ community, and um, that made me want to go to this. So, like uh, about a month later. There was this, there was this, uh, I want to say conference where you had, um, you had people who sat up on the board and they were, you know, different, different sexual orientations. They were, uh, there were, there were homosexual men, lesbian women, there was a queer woman, there was a non-binary woman, there was a transgender woman. And from time to time, like I I, I would sit, I, I sat and I just listened. Mm. I sat and I listened and I wanted to take some time to just really understand. I really wanted to understand what is the experience? What is the experience? You know, who are they as people? Or who are they, you know, how, how did they consider themselves in society? And it helped me learn a lot about how to communicate as well as navigate and understand them as, you know, a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so furthermore, that kind of pushed me to think of protesting differently and it only was because of the fact that, like, being able to build better connections with people outside of my own race, I started being able to connect, you know, on a more, on a more, I guess, sacral level to project and protest for rights that are outside of, you know, my race, mm. my, my race. Yeah. Um, That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate you sharing all that because those are all very necessary and healthy journeys to take through through life, really. And I'm glad that you had folks in your world that were able to mold you, shape you, and 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 
you know, pull you out of certain certain lines of thinking and then, welcome, you know, open you up into other other lines of thinking and whatever. And that and I think you deserve a lot of credit, too. And I've always said you're you're extremely mature and just you're just one of the smartest people I know um, for this. But you, you are very reflective just in, in your nature. And you always like like I said, in, in, like you said, in an argument, you're going to want to win. But like you, you're going to you are going to stop and think about it. And if something made sense, it's going to make sense. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're going to give it credit, you know, credit where credit is due. Um, I, I, I have so many thoughts about some of the things you said, <laughs> but, but yeah, the whole Hotep thing, like I, I definitely skirted around Hoteps a lot in my younger life, um, you know, college, high, like out of college, whatever. And, you know, I think, first of all, I, I can't stand the term. Cause like you said, Imhotep is a, a historical figure that should be on the dollar bill or you know money like there should yes. be there should be a hotel an Imhotep museum or whatever like forget forget George Washington or whoever these slave owners like that is an individual hey, who, it should be an award yeah named that should be him, right. you know and and I just think it's it's just such a sense of bitter irony or whatever some just it's just a tragedy that his name is now used for a I would say a problematic section of black men Mm. black male folks who take what is a beautiful sense of self-knowledge self-worth self-determination self-history mythology mythology all the the stuff that you were mentioning that you learned those are all beautiful things Mm -hmm. but what makes folks a quote-unquote hotep is when it becomes misogynistic when it becomes uh, anti-homophobic transphobic all of those things um and it just loses it, to me, it loses credibility because if you if you understand what what ancient Kemetian people, which is to say ancient e- Egyptians knew about mm-hmm. energy and all those things, like we're, they they're missing part of what what they're claiming, in my opinion. And and I'm glad that you had that experience, and I'm also glad you were able to to like move out of it too. Like and I, like I said, I've been around hoteps. Too and, and my brother even said, "Man, you, like he, he once he was like he was like, man, you could have been a hotel." I'm like, "Yeah, I was around. <laughs> I, I, I was around him, and I was my my spidey senses were like, well, hold up, I, I don't agree with this part right here though. Let, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up.' So, so yeah, so I, I I appreciate you sharing that, and I'm glad that 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 um you felt comfortable sharing that because that that's a, that's a good that's a it's a it's just tough, man. Because I because I feel like black people we we we. And, and and I keep going back to this. None of this was in school. Yeah, <laughs> none of yeah, this was exactly. in school. So like, so for black people, we we are searching for identity. We're searching for. I, I mentioned this in terms of my trip to Ghana. We talked about this, like the idea of like where's home even, like physically, where where mm. where is it safe for me to be a black person where my body isn't threatened, where I'm culturally included and I feel belonging, and you know you can't say that. You know, you can't say that you're f- fully perfectly safe here in the States. Culturally, you have to learn a few things if you go anywhere else. But anyway, so so what Life Pieces did for you was a beautiful thing. The the Rooting yourself in Afrocentric philosophy, Afrocentric ideals, We that's what we need. We, mm-hmm. we need our children to go through rites of passage and things like that that, that ground us in a strong sense of our blackness. And, and not even just blackness, like... like no, any any culture should do this, right? Like, and I mean, I know folks who are Korean. They went to Korean school. They learn Korean or whatever. Like, like, you know, or 
do do what makes you 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 like do what do what your tribe does you know what i'm saying like be be fully rooted in who you are and who your tribe is as your people um and then go out into the world with not only your respective self but also the respect that other people can do things differently and that's okay as long as they're not harming anybody else right um and i think it's 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 great that you got to to that to that point um and it's interesting because er, way earlier in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned like now at work, you're, you're working with white people more than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I've had the debate and it's kind of a dumb debate because it doesn't really matter um, whether or not like the HBCU experience is a formative thing for, for folks who come from who come from diverse. Really, HBCUs are great no matter what, like for, for, for anybody for multiple reasons. But I particularly as a person who come who came from a, a bit of diversity in my community, an HBCU would have been nice because it would have been a, that rooted, that centering in blackness that I didn't have. And really, I didn't have it in my home because I, I, I mixed. Um, so culturally, there was just a lot going on. Um, and I didn't have it in my community organically either. So an HBCU experience would have given me that at that point. But maybe it's even better at the elementary school phase. And it, not to say that it's better. Like it, it, I just feel like it should happen at some point, And I'm glad that you had it because um, that's a beautiful thing. Because we, 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 we should feel confident and rooted in who we are as people. And then that enables us, enables us to healthily navigate the rest of the world. I feel like part of the problem with white people is that they feel like they're under threat all the time because they're not rooted in any particular culture. Like most white people are descendant of someone from somewhere Europe, in Europe and they lowered that flag, put up the stars and stripes. But there's not a whole lot of culture behind the stars and stripes other than capitalism colonialism and and you know thanksgiving and like (laughs) right burgers on burgers on july 4th and just like i don't know it's it's just it's just a new country there's not a whole lot of culture there's not a whole lot of stuff there so there's so i feel like whiteness has this insecurity of like well i don't even know who i am i'm i'm white and i'm american and i'm and damn it, that's the best thing in the world you know and it's it's that it's it's that quick because there's not much to it right and 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 those of us around and and you could pick up a white person you could you could interview a white person from france and they they're white but they have a a ton of understanding of what it means to be french and even and and whatever i'm digressing but like i feel like everybody should just should just have that experience where they're rooted in who they are rooted in their tribe and their in their whatever and then that kind of just is a beautiful thing once we kind of expose ourselves to others but anyway i digress That, that there's 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 a lot to there's a lot that that you that you mentioned that I that I really feel. I'm I'm glad that you shared all of that, and and I, and I'm glad that you uh, you got to you got to this to the to the point you're at now. And I know the journey only continues, man. I mean, shoot, absolutely. I mean, and I think you've you've shared a lot of good points as well. Like, okay, so starting off, I do think from the initial point of Hotep. Like, honestly, the reason why I bring up Hotep, I entertain it. I'm it's an I entertain the word hotep because I don't fully embody the thought process of, you know, someone considering someone that loves African culture as being a misogynistic prick. I do think that there are people that love themselves as an African-American man and is able to be diverse and to adaptively communicate and respect other races. Yeah, There is a saying where... No one is better than I, and also, 
I am no better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that means there is a balance. There's a balance. There's an ecosystem where you can be the best that you can possibly be and also have a sense of respect that someone else can be the best that they can possibly be. You know, that doesn't necessarily have to make you feel like you have to, you know, um, be less than someone. You know, that superiority, inferiority, hierarchy, Darwinism type of stuff is not really necessary. And the classifications of things aren't really necessary, especially nowadays. I know we're diving into like different things. And I know like one of the things that we that, you know, me growing up, I dived into different cultures really <laughs> really interestingly like um i dived into more cultures in my like in my last job because there was just even though it was majority latino um it was a lot of other variations of races like you had you pretty much had the entire rainbow there like you had white you had you had someone from pakistan you had someone from ethiopia you had someone from india you had someone from um, from from Russia, you have someone from um, so from Salvador, from Ecuador, from Colombia, um, and then it was just me and 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 this older lady that was from here in D.C. You know, <laughs> and I remember there was a time where we had this um, we had this annual like potluck where everyone brings their dish from their from their from their uh from their home yeah yeah from their home and you know you had people from portugal too um so i i I even remember like everyone's around the table talking about you know what type of dishes they're going to bring and then i go over and i'm like you know hey you you want to you want to bring some chicken and mumbo sauce (laughs) 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 because the only thing i can really think about as far as a dish a dc thing a dc (laughs) dish is like what mumbo sauce like then would you put mumbo sauce chicken or some fries you know and 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 you know we had a great laugh um because like dc is kind of like you know other than go-go music dc is very diverse and there's a lot of things that kind of diversified it so much that you can't really know like what's a national thing other than it's music and it's like accent and culture I feel like for culture, culture is something that you embody at a really young age so that you already had time to marinate yourself mm. in your culture yep. so yep. that you can move on with other cultures. I agree. I and like for me, I feel like I started later. I feel like I started later. I feel like it took me till I was like, it took me till I was like maybe 14 or 15 to start understanding more about my culture. Yeah. And that lapse of time, I lost at least, you know, I lost at least 12 to 13 years of not really understanding my culture. So now it's kind of me having to still figure it out now. Like, I think if I, like, I think it's so important to be able to know yourself you know, by the age of know yourself means to me, have a sense of understanding of where your ancestors came from, have a sense of understanding as to what they have done in their lives 
and I mean that as like eco ecosystem wise as monetary wise it doesn't have to be specific stories but to just have an understanding of what they have done so that you can know what you come from what stock you come from and create you know building blocks towards what you want to do later down the road yeah overall it is important to know who you are going into society because once you go into society it's kind of you're on a you're on a a, a slate or a path to focus on what you need to get done. Mm. I mean, I think focusing on what you need to get done and also focusing on who you are as a person, it's kind of hard to, to to bridge a gap towards success. Yeah. You know, or communal success. Yeah. Because how can you build community if you don't know yourself first? Exactly. No, for sure. You know? For sure. So, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing. This has been a, a wonderful conversation. I know we could keep going for a lot longer. Um, but in the interest of time, I think we can conclude this version of it right here. Um, and I definitely think there's there's plenty of fodder for another conversation. Um, one thing I always do when I close out episodes with a guest is I ask a couple of questions. The first of which is, what is the last book that you've read that you recommend? The last book that I read is the book of Ishmael. And <laughs> I we didn't even finish talking about that. We didn't. Ooh, that could be another whole episode. Oh man, yes, yes, it will. <laughs> oh wow! Speaking to existence, you know. Um, yeah, the book of Ishmael is some is a book that I would recommend because it it's yeah. a really it's a really interesting philosophical book. I'm glad you liked it, and I want to keep that. I'm gonna pin that one there because we can definitely talk more about that. Oh, another yeah. whole show about that one later. I love that. I love that book. I'm glad you read it. That's um, Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. All right, um, what superpower would you have? The superpower that I'll have or that I feel like I already have is adaptability. Mm. Um, You're the first person that says I already have this one. Oh, yeah. Nobody said they already had the superpower they want. (laughs) That's what's up. Adaptability, I like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I honestly think powers is stuff that you can create. I feel like we are beings Mm. of creation, so why not? Why not have a superpower? It may be a common superpower, but it is a it is that's, a power. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. Thank you. That's that's dope, man. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> the last one is, uh, what song are you rocking to right now? Song I'm rocking to. Oh, that's such a difficult question, man. I've been rocking to a lot of music lately. Um, so okay, I ain't gonna lie. I'm kind of a moody person. I like I like listening to moody music. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Brent Fiaz lately, so his new album Wastelands. I've been listening to that. Um, it's it's kind of it's really melodic, and I like the cinematic skits that are in it. Um, I think one of the songs that I like from it is called Bad Luck. Bad Luck. Yeah. So it's a very um, resolutional song of him communicating with his with his uh, significant other about you know what he has done and and trying to make up for it cool that sounds good i'm not familiar with that one i gotta check it out all right man i appreciate it um the last question the last last the actual last question is if you would like for anybody to reach out to you in any way or just follow you on whatever um is there any contact information or instagram or any social media you would like folks to to is there any social media or anything you'd like to put out here uh, for folks to get in touch with you? Um, you don't have to, but that, I just offer that. Oh, good. I mean, uh, you can you can see me on IG, Mr. Tony Tone. Feel free to 
drop a DM or if you want to further the conversation there, feel free to, you know, talk, send me a message. You know, if you feel like maybe some of the information that I've shared was a little bit uh, <laughs> contradictive, which it could have been, you know, or maybe controversial, just shoot, shoot, shoot a message. I don't mind responding. Yeah, no. Nah, and, and that goes with me, too. I mean, any I would say after every show, you know, hit me up on Instagram or whatever, DM me or whatever, just because. This show is about that learning process. So we talked about, we've talked a lot about your growth and talked about ideas that you had, ideas that have changed and whatever. And, and, and that process will continue to happen for both of us. And, and this show is just, like I said in the beginning, it's a, it's a, it's a public expression of that, that learning process. And so, yeah, hit us up. If, so, if we said something that was like, oh, no, nah, you got that wrong. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hit us up. Let's have that conversation. And, and, if, and, and, and we, could, we, could have, we could have you on the show talking with us on, an, on on rehashing whatever it is that 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 you know hit you funny or whatever we can th- this is this is that kind of show so we we'll definitely welcome any feedback um yeah all right man tony i appreciate you joining me on the show absolutely man i'm, I'm happy to be here man cool well um yeah that concludes the show everybody i appreciate you fitting us into the day to day as always, you can get at me on Instagram at RealDadult. That's R-E-A-L-D-A-D-U-L-T. And as I just mentioned, you can get at me about this episode, any prior episodes, or if you have any ideas for future episodes, you can holler at me there and tell me about that as well. Hope to catch you here next time. Until then, be safe, be well, peace. Peace.